Yeah, as I, as I mentioned earlier, Easter season, uh, I've been thinking and uh, just meditating on the whole idea of resurrection. Stephen last week said this is doing some priester messages, priester, pre-Easter, priester. Um, you know, Easter, we come together and we celebrate the uh, resurrection of Jesus, right? Uh, but he- here's the thing. We live the resurrection of Jesus all year long. So we, we live and we walk in resurrected life and in the power of resurrected life every day, all year long. Um, some, some folks, and not, not necessarily any of you, but maybe some of you have uh, family members or friends who show up at church like on Christmas and Easter kind of thing, you know. And uh, I was thinking about that. And, uh, you know, if you, if you came on Christmas and Easter, you'd hear about the birth of Jesus, and then you hear about the death and resurrection of Jesus. And those are really good things to hear about, obviously. But that's sort of all you got, right? And, and realistically, there's a whole lot of stuff in between. There's a lot that happens beyond those two events. As important as those are, you're missing out, I think at that point. There's so much more. We live in resurrected life all year. So here's, uh, last week we talked about Peter and the resurrected life. This morning uh, I'm going to talk about the resurrected life uh, in, in, our, in, in us a little more. So uh, let's go ahead and pray, and then uh, we're going to look at uh, Colossians this morning. Father, uh, bless your word today. Would you just anoint it to Bring uh, truth and life into our hearts. Would you cause your word to penetrate us in such a way that we would enter into a, a new understanding of resurrected life today? Amen. All right, Colossians chapter 2, beginning at verse 8. Paul writes, See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. In Him you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self ruled by the flesh, was put off when you were circumcised by Christ, having been buried with Him in baptism, in which you were also raised with Him through your faith in the working of God who raised Him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins. So if you recall last week, we looked at a uh, a little passage in Ephesians where we saw that we were dead and then we're alive. We're dead in Christ, now we're alive. Same thing here in Colossians. We were dead, now we're alive. Of course, uh, and and I mentioned last week, that's not physically, we weren't physically dead and alive. Paul's speaking spiritually. It's not like we were zombies, you know, the walking dead in those movies. I I don't watch those movies, but I see the commercials for them sometimes. Um, But we were were spiritually dead and now we're alive. That's resurrected life. We, we, We are living right now in a resurrected life. There, there is a, a secondary concept, I think, that kind of gives more understanding to that here in this passage that I really like, that I want us to focus on today. Paul tells us that in Christ, all the fullness 
of the deity lives in bodily form, and in Christ you have been brought to fullness. So there's this idea that there's fullness in Jesus. All of the fullness of God is in Jesus, and in, in Him we also have that fullness in us. So I want to look at this uh, word here a little bit first. The Greek word is pleroma, and it means the sum total fullness, even superabundance. And then if you look at the different definitions from, uh, these are from different uh, Greek dictionaries. Short definition, fullness, fulfillment, completion. Definition, fill, fullness, full completion, complement, completion. Uh, from the word pleru, repletion or completion, what fills, or objectively what is filled, what is put to fill up, piece that filled up, fulfilling full fullness. I think you get the idea there. He's saying it's full. Okay, this is everything. Nothing is lacking. Nothing is missing. If we were uh, going to use the vernacular there, I think we would say something like the whole enchilada. This is everything. There's nothing left out. Um, so he tells us, first of all, that in Christ, the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. In Christ, the fullness of God lives in bodily form. In Jesus, everything that God is is there. Nothing is lacking. Nothing is missing. This is not Jesus wasn't just part of God. He wasn't one third of God. How that all works, is I don't get it, but the reality is this, that Jesus was the fullness of who God was. Everything that's in God is in Him. He is the most complete picture we have. If you want to know what does God look like, he looks like Jesus. That's what He looks like. That's who God is. That's who God was. Everything that God has is in Jesus. That's the fullness of it. Nothing is lacking. Nothing is missing in that regard. Um, Paul is writing here. The reason that he's emphasizing this so much is that he's confronting some teaching that's taken place. And that's what verse 8 was about. And that's why I included verse 8 in this section we looked at today. That says, See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. There were some people called Gnostics who were teaching Gnosticism. And Gnosticism said this, basically, that there's a secret knowledge. There's, there's we, we have sort of a special secret insight. We've got... We know about things that other people don't know about. And we know about angels and angelic realms and mystical things. And if you really want to be spiritual, if you really want the depth of it all, you have to know this. You have to have this special knowledge, this secret knowledge. Um, and we'll come back to Gnosticism in a few minutes. But what I want to say right now is that in response to that teaching, Paul says, no, 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 no. You don't need any of that. Everything you need is in Jesus. In Christ, the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. All you need is in Him. Okay? That's it. You don't need any special knowledge. There's no secret insight. There's nothing else. Uh, it'll take you this life and a couple more just to know all there is of Jesus. But that's what you need to know. Don't put your attention on trying to look for other things. Look at what He is and who He is and let Him fill you up from there. And then He says, And in Christ, you too have been brought fullness. So basically what he's saying is what Jesus has, you've been given. What Jesus has, we've been given. 
who Jesus is, is being passed on to us. Now, um, for the record here, I want to say the, the word fullness there, and I know sometimes, uh, you know, different Greek words are translated differently in English and all that, but these, this is the same word twice. Here's the difference, the only difference between the two words in verse 9 and verse 10. Verse 9 is a noun, the fullness is in Jesus now. Verse 10 is the verb form of the same word, meaning it's, it's, it's been passed on, it's been given to us. So 9 is constituted, verse 10 is, is happening. Um, what he's saying is that all the fullness of God is in Jesus, and now in Jesus that too goes to you. Peter says it this way, the same thing. He says, through these, and then the parentheses are the previous verse, these refers to his divine power and our knowledge of him. So through his divine power, the power of God, and our knowledge of who he is, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature. So Peter's saying the same thing. What Jesus has, who he is, as we come to know him, that's given to us. That is resurrected life. That's resurrected life. It's a very real thing. It's not metaphoric. It's not a concept. It's not just a, a, a spiritual sort of idea. And, and it's not all about the future. Sometimes we think of salvation and we think of, okay, I get saved and then I get to go to heaven. True, good deal, right? Nobody's going to argue that that's a good deal. But that's not the whole picture. That's part of it. What, what Paul and Peter, what the New Testament is teaching us is that that resurrected life begins when we come into relationship with Jesus. Everything that he has is being passed on to us and we can walk in that right now. That's good, by the way. Okay, thank you. I always, you guys, you know, I don't want everybody to become Pentecostal on me, but sometimes you could be a little more Pentecostal. Uh, uh, so, so we have new life in Him. Um, Easter, here's the, here's the deal. Easter and the resurrection. It's, it's not just about going to heaven. Okay? Again, that's a good thing, but it's not just about going to heaven. There's so much more. I want to, to know that we can experience that resurrected life here and now. That we really were dead in sin, and when we come into relationship with Jesus, we really do come alive in a whole new way. Now, okay, Look, I get it. Some of you are saying right now, I can read your minds. Uh, no, I can't read your minds, but I, I know how it works. I don't feel very complete. I don't feel like the fullness of God is in me. I, I, don't, I don't feel alive. I don't feel like my old sinful nature is dead. In fact, sometimes I feel like the old sinful nature is alive and well and running the show, right? Anybody? Um, Something uh, I learned from my pastor when I was very young, he said, we teach the Bible, not our experience. The context at the time was he was talking about healing. And in our church, uh, as I was growing up very early on, John began reading the Gospels and really believed that it was God's 
will and purpose to bring healing to people. And so he started teaching on healing. And every week he would teach on healing. And then he would say, okay, now we're going to practice what we've learned. And he would say, let's pray. Who's sick? And somebody would say, we pray. And what happened? Nobody got better. And so for almost a year this went on. We're praying for people. And John would teach on healing every week. And, and, and look, I'm going to be really honest. Sometimes some of us, not me, got a little tired of hearing him talk about healing. Because going, John, it's not happening. And John said, but I teach the Bible, not my experience. He goes, not experiencing something doesn't change the truth value of it. It's still true. And so we press into that and we're going to keep doing that. And he kept teaching on healing and eventually people started getting healed. Here's the, here's the thing. The same is true of this. We can say, I don't feel alive. I don't feel full. I don't feel like my sinful nature is dead. That doesn't seem to be the reality of my life. That doesn't change the truth value of it. It's still true. And when we get sucked into that, believing what we feel in our experience over and above what God teaches, I'll tell you, we play right into the strategy of the enemy. That, that has been his ploy from day one and it continues. He wants to tell you that you need something else. You need more. You need something different. This isn't enough. This isn't enough. You need, that's what he told Eve in the garden, right? That's the essence of living in a fallen world. There's, there's more. You've got to have more. You've got something else. It, we see this today in our culture a little bit, right? Um, the American dream. I gotta, I, we're gonna, we're, we're, whoa, there goes the American dream right there. Is, somebody, is there an adult with those children? Thomas, get him. <laughs> yeah. I'm going with them. I just uh, I've completely lost everything. Uh, what was I talking about? Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, we, we chasing after this thing, whatever it is. You know, people, if it's not the American dream, I got to have the, the right job and the right house and all that stuff. You know, then you're looking out for, you want to be self-actualized. I want to be, you know, I want to be complete in myself or whatever. Some people, it's looking for the perfect body. You know, I got I to gotta do this and that and lift more weights and sculpt out and cut down. And, and you, it never happens. You never get there. Why do you never get there? Because it doesn't exist. It's not real. It's no, there's no such thing. Uh, you, 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 whatever you get, whatever level you get to, there's another one. And you can't, you go to that one, you go, oh, this isn't enough. I got to go to the next one. And you, you never find fullness, fulfillment, all that stuff anywhere but in Jesus. In Christ, you have been brought to fullness. That's the only place you're ever going to find it. It doesn't exist anywhere else. You know, I. <sighs> Okay, I'll share this, but don't tell anybody. Um, sometimes that happens in the church, too. I feel sometimes like there's almost a modern-day Gnosticism happening uh, in the church when we're, we're looking for the next big thing. And we've got to grab that next big thing, that next prophetic word, that next experience in God, that next thing. And I've been there, done that, and you know what happens when you get that one? The same thing that happens in the world. Then you've got to get the next one, and you're always looking for more, always looking for something else, and it, it's never fulfilling because the truth is you have everything you ever need in Jesus right now. I would say this. If we're lacking anything, 
It's the understanding that we have everything we need. If we're lacking anything today, it's, it's the understanding that everything we need is in Jesus and all we have to do is hang on to Him and press into Him and, and we will experience the fullness that Paul says we will experience here in Colossians. Um, I'm behind the eight ball a little bit. I com- I've completely lost everything. Completely went off the rails. Um, but I do want to just summarize this, and we'll be done a little bit early today. How do you like that? Oh. Three things I think that we can hang on to from this text today. One is, you are complete in Christ. You are complete in Christ right now, today. Um, how I feel at this given moment is not the bottom line. Okay? The truth of God's Word is the bottom line. And so, if I don't feel as though God is real in my life, then th- th- there, there has to be some way in which I can push through my own experience and believe what God says is true. And I, I know that that's a challenging thing sometimes, and, and we don't feel it. But I want to say this to you, that when that happens, I think one thing that helps me really is just the Word of God and begin to go back and look at the things He says about me and then to begin to prayerfully integrate those into my life. And you can take those verses and you can actually pray them and you can insert yourself, your own name, in those sections. And I think that's really helpful. The other thing I think is really true is, or really helpful, is to confess that. To confess that to people that you're close to and just say, hey, I'm struggling. I don't feel this or that right now in my life. I need to know. And have them pray for you because I think just speaking it out has power in it and then that prayer to come back And then I would say, if there's anything else, it would be worship, just to be able to really come into the presence of God. I love, I love that last song we said sang today. In your in your presence, it makes me whole. That's where that's where you're going to get it. In your presence, I am whole. That's where you're going to find that fulfillment and that wholeness in Him. So those are ways. But just believe that you're already uh, you're, you're already complete in Christ. Second thing is this: your sinful nature is dead. Okay, and again, you may not feel like it's dead, but it's dead. Okay, so lust, dead, right? Uh, Anger, dead, it's dead. Lying, judgmentalism, addiction, whatever you struggle with, dead, 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 dead. Those things are dead, and sometimes they try to pretend like they're not, and they try to come back to life. And I just say, kick some dirt on them and tell them get back in the hole. Uh, You're dead. You're dead to me. your, your sinful nature really is dead. And, and if you don't feel like that, same thing. We press into what God says it is, and we're alive in Him. And that's the final point today, is that we have a resurrected life in Jesus right now. He rose, we rose. He rose, we rose. And that, that, that will be someday, physically. Physically, someday we will rise and we'll, we'll, we'll live in, in a new heaven and a new earth and everything will be beautiful, but right now that's taking place spiritually as we speak. And if, if I'm, I'll go back to the part I forgot here. See, it's not just future. You have been brought to fullness. Your flesh was put off. You were buried. You were raised. God made you alive. He forgave us all our sins. All past tense. Already happened. Already done. It's, it's already there in you right now. We have resurrected life in Jesus today and Together, we can walk in it. And that's kingdom living. That's resurrected life. That's what God has for us. 
nothing less. So why don't we stand? And Stephen, would you uh, join me?